I was gonna say I'm wearing I'm wearing my Durant jersey today, and mm-hmm. that can be misinterpreted. <laughs> yeah, which which seems weird, but it's it, you know, Durant leaves right, and Durant could just leave. You know, what he was a free agent, right? He could have just left. Uh, but the Warriors did a side and trade instead. And yeah. that landed them D'Angelo Russell. If they don't have D'Angelo Russell, they don't have Andrew Wiggins. And if they don't have Andrew Wiggins, they're not winning this title. So uh, even that, I feel like, was like a little piece of, uh, you know, things that all these little things that went right along the way for this to happen. Uh, and, and there's so many of those and it takes so many of those to to win a title. I, I You know, I think it's a. In general, in sports, I think people overrate intangibles. But the N- the NBA is a sport where I really do think that knowing how to win is is like a a real definable skill. And I feel like this was just a, such a huge series for that. I I still think the Celtics are the more talented team of this two, but it's not just about talent. And well, but what is that? We're just one the mind game. You know what I mean? What does that really mean when you say the more talented team? Because I I heard that a lot. I mean, I think that is uh, from smart people, by the way. I'm not saying, like, it's Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is just saying yeah. dumb stuff. But, like, smart people who, who analyze basketball for a living said throughout the series, leading up to the series, you know, I do think Boston is the better team or the more talented team, but you know, the Warriors experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm just, you know, look, it depends on, on your conception of certain players when you say the more talented team, but I'm just sure. not sure it's true. Um, I think if you, you know, if you line the guys up one through eight to 10, you take, well, you take the Celtics for the most part, right? But then like, why, but then why did the Celtics only play six guys? Well, that's, I think that's part of it. I think that I, 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 a, I, mean, I, think, I think the Warriors strategically found a way to erase some of their guys from this series, right? Their well, bench was all Celtics bench was awful. And they were I mean, awful but, in all playoffs. They were awful in this series. Okay, but part of that is the stage and the opponent, right? Which is what comes when you advance to the finals. Um, yeah, like, that's a lot of it was the opponent. That's what I mean. I think that they were. Well, but uh, hold on. I, I uh, like. I really want to interrogate, and, and I know we shouldn't spend too much time on this, but I do want to interrogate this more talented thing a little bit because let's do the thing you're talking about. Let's compare. What you want to go one through eight? Sure. All right. All right. We basketball reference this up so that I. So who's one <laughs> for the Celtics? Well, it's Tatum's one, right? Okay, so he loses to Steph. Correct. Who's two for the Celtics right now? It's Jalen Brown. Okay, so if we're going pure talent, are we sure Jalen Brown – I mean, let's put it this way. Do you think Jalen Brown has as big an edge over Wiggins or Klay Thompson? Let's go Wiggins with raw t- with with talent because he's as talented as anybody, frankly. <laughs> um, and he finally he was, he was the second best player in the series. I he think. was the second best player in the series, and he finally, you know, used many of the talents that people have recognized in him all along to specifically contribute to winning. Um, I, it's, it's hard for me to say this because I was so I'm so stunned and impressed with how great Andrew Wiggins was in this series. But yeah, I think I'd take Jalen Brown over Andrew Wiggins. You would, but here's what yeah. I'm saying. 
the gap between Steph and Tatum right now is a lot bigger than the gap between Brown and Wiggins in this case. It's, it's another one where it's hard to say this the day after this series, but I'm not sure that that's true. And I, and that, and that goes back to me to, to, to my point, which is that we saw the best of the Warriors in this series and we didn't see the best of the Celtics. And I think that that's what came down to the Warriors being tougher mentally. And, it, you know, a little less, I would say a little bit better shape, if that makes sense. Like, well, a, but if you know, Steph Curry outplays, shape. If, if Steph Curry outplays Jason Tatum this dramatically in the finals and Jalen Brown and Andrew Wiggins play to a near draw, I don't understand how we can not <laughs> rate. And again, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, like, d- d- yes, in this series. Wiggins was just as good as Jalen Brown. You and know if what we're I mean? saying that's, right, that's why and, Warriors won. But I, I don't think that I don't think that that means that they're as good of players. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying is the difference between the talent and the performance is why the Warriors won this series. Well, but I I guess that's where I'm saying like what is talent and and okay let's even call it call it a draw between those pairs. Okay, who's third for you on the Celtics? Marcus Smart. And I think you take Smart, yeah. Okay, well, I'm definitely taking Draymond over Marcus Smart, even if it's just for the extra size, right? Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know how you could say that with when Draymond's value, uh, right? When Draymond's biggest value is his defense, and Smart's the reigning defensive player of the year. Well, and, I mean, I think you could Draymond argue had that, what one three pointer in the series. Sure, but Draymond was a front runner for defensive player of the year before he got hurt. Sure. But Marcus Smart won. You know what I'm saying? Like the defense is a draw, and Smart's clearly a better offensive player. I don't know about that. Overall, I don't know that I want. No, I'm not sure that's true. I agree. It's problematic at times. Agree, disagree on that. Well, it's problematic at times when Marcus Smart is capable of more offensively than Draymond Green, but he's also a much worse decision maker, and that counts. You know, sure. It does. It does certainly count for the Celtics. Okay, so again, let's call that a draw. Then you have Al Horford versus Clay Thompson. What Clay are we talking about? Well, but that's the thing. <laughs> what anybody are we talking about, Derek? And that's kind of my point. Is like this talent gap that people keep talking about. I'm not sure it exists. Like. It, you can make an argument for it. What Al Horford are we talking about, right? Like, 10 years ago, it's a different conversation. So, like, you know, it's – and as you continue to go down, Otto Porter, when healthy, was a guy that got paid $100 million a few years ago, right? Like, yeah. Gary Payton the second is not short on talent. He's had a weird journey to get here, but the guy is capable – God, and, I love getting paid. And by the time we go, <laughs> and, and and I haven't even mentioned Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, and then you're starting to compare them to guys like Peyton Pritchard. I would argue yeah. that in fact the Warriors are the deeper, more talented team. If anything, and you know what? Uh, I well, especially if you, yeah, once you, you're right. You know, you know, I think once you get past the first seven Celtics, I'm gonna uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change my mind on this. And about- and to your point, six and seven, if we call it, Grant Williams and Derek White, pretty much sucked the last few games. Sure did, sure did. So last night had five points, and I think it was like minus fifty something, something like that. Yeah, so. I mean, look, you can say this: the the Boston Celtics have a ton of young talent. They're they had a great 
like two thirds of a season and playoff run truly spectacular given the way their season began. Maybe only half a season, really. But since that turnaround, they've been unbelievable. But I think sometimes these narratives develop and people just eyeball Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and say, oh, yeah, the Celtics are the more talented team. And it becomes like a fad to say and i'm not accusing you of like yeah but to me there's also an an element too that it's sort of a little bit hard to quantify that i i I do think their team defense right is so good that's that's why i favored the celtics in this series Mm -hmm. you know you kind of lump that in with talent but like they you know and they've always played the warriors tough you know from a matchup sense and so much of these series are about matchups and the series started off with Kerr's got to figure out what lineups he can he can survive with, and somehow ended with Boston didn't you know only trusted six guys. So somewhere in there, I do think, and, and this is no shade on Udoka, who I think did a really good job. I do think there was a, a real coaching edge for the yes. Warriors in the series that they figured stuff out as it went along. Listen, and you know, when you look back on it, and if the Warriors don't blow the fourth quarter in Game One, this could have been a five game series. They dominated this series. They really did. And even in the games they lost, they had runs where Boston was feeling them and was nervous. Um, And here's the thing. Steve Kerr, who I think a lot of people said last night, and I would tend to agree, uh, now has forced his way into the top five NBA coaches in the history of the league. I think he had the exact same edge that – the majority of the players on the floor had it's the experience yeah it's Ime Udoka did an unbelievable job as a first year head coach of coming in and by the way they have the same mentors right like Ime Udoka comes from the same school of coaching that Steve Kerr comes from fundamentally you know the Greg Popovich thing like they may even have coached together on an Olympic or or a FIBA team um, so I think he's going to be great, but there's an undeniable edge of understanding the moment and having been there before. And they, the Warriors, when they get it really rolling, and this has been said a thousand times, but it, I think it bears repeating what they do is unlike what anyone else in the league does. And no one has really solved it. Yeah. Yeah, you can see that, right? That you can see it in game one where the Celtics were really just trying to have to adjust, right? They're used to playing this sort of the the kind of playoff style isolation game that they were seeing from the Bucks and the Heat. And then it was, you know, something totally different. Yep. I would also see too, it's not just the head coaches, right? Like the Warriors have had three active head coaches on their bench. Yes. You know? And they have the- revamped that staff this year specifically to to split focus between development. They have guys on that staff basically just to build Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody, and Poole, right? And then they have guys on that staff, like you said, who are both in Kenny Atkinson and Mike Brown, not only current head coaches in the league because they just got new jobs, but former head coaches in the league as well. So, you know, they have an incredible amount of NBA-level head coaching experience, and they have really high-level development coaches sort of 
sitting in that back row that whose names a lot of people may not know. It's uh, again, everything about this. It, it's a testament to two things. One is an organization, and Joe Lacob fundamentally is the guy who deserves the bulk of the credit for this. An organization where the tone and culture are set properly from the top. And largely, that just means he hired the right guys and let them do their damn job, right? I'm not giving him any great credit for assembling the team or developing the team or any of that stuff. But as an owner, as as the forward-facing owner, Joe Lacob has done what every sports fan should want their team owner to do, which is hire good people, get the hell out of their way, and open up the checkbook. Yeah. Like, you can't ask for more. his son into that mix successfully, which is a and listen, thing. That's, <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought how great it would have been if my dad had owned an NBA franchise so I could have just walked into the to a front office. You know what I mean? Like, shout out to them. And as long as the Lake of Kids do the work, I got no problem with that, right? Ideally, they'll own the team some someday and understand things even better. Um, anyway, putting that aside, because we've buried the lead. The other thing this is a testament to is it, it's Steph Curry. The guy yeah. is the most – I mean, I can't say this, but he is the second most spectacularly – unique and incredible basketball player that I've ever had the pleasure of watching regularly. And that's no shade to the other great players I've seen, but I've been lucky in my life to live in Chicago in the nineties and in the Bay area in the teens and twenties of this century and getting to regularly witness in person and be in the area of two just undeniable probably the two most impactful NBA stars at least in terms of changing the way the game is played of my lifetime it's look LeBron is going to go down in history as a better player than Stephen Curry because he just is <laughs> I, I Pro- like probably it. probably it's it, but it's not a lock anymore well <laughs> Steph might have Steph Steph truly may end up having what many would consider a better better career because I don't think, you know, a few more titles is totally out of the question. Right. Um, that being said, you know, all of that requires incredible good fortune, first of all. But but second of all, like, at their peaks, I mean, Steph is unbelievable, and, and frankly, they're just really hard to compare, and anyone would love to have either on their team. In the same way that Michael and LeBron were tough to compare, but... There is something about the singularity of guy of Michael and Steph in particular, and the I, I I can't even describe it, but he's incredible, and this is all due to him. It easily, like easily, my favorite player to watch play in my lifetime, and that includes your guy. You know what I mean? Who I'm not saying was not saying he's better. I mean, he's my favorite to watch. No, so. look, look, I yeah, I still. Truly, some of my clearest memories from before the age of 20 um, involve Michael Jordan. So, like, it's – I can't, you know, 
It is what yeah, it is. I, no one will ever replace him. But but Steph is different and in some ways more spectacular and in some ways easier to root for. Um, although I had no problem rooting for Jordan as a kid. Like, you know, there's the well, – Stephen Curry is the most normal human being. Because even Tim Duncan, who probably had this title before him, the most normal human being to be an NBA superstar in the superstar era. Um, like, I don't know, you know, uh, Bill Russell may have been reasonably normal, but it was the sixties. The world was very different in an era where every single NBA star is overexposed. Yeah. Larry Bird was pretty normal. I would say. Yeah. But that, but oh, and, and Bird was normal in the way Duncan was normal, which is leave me alone. Yeah. What's incredible <laughs> about Steph is he gives himself to the public very easily and very sincerely and remains a reasonably normal and relatively spectacularly humble human being by every available piece of evidence and any account you ever get from anyone who's ever been around him. Yeah. I, I, mean, I loved – I love the clip they where they showed that interview of him from his like rookie season in the in the old Warriors jersey. It's like I remember going to games then, but he he kind of sounded the same. You know what I mean? And like you're just like he, he's he's just always been that dude. And I feel like last night we saw a little bit different side of him. I mean, like he's always a guy who was a killer on the inside, but he was wearing a little bit of that on the outside last night, like dropping that ring. Yep. Gesture in, the, in the first quarter. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> guys, you know, the guys, the Celtics were three of 12 when guarded by Curry last night. Like he was coming up with these defensive plays one on one against Jason freaking Tatum that were just, you know, not in his bag years ago. And, and you could tell we're just, he just wanted it so bad. You know, watching him cry on the court in the last yeah. couple of seconds, like I had a just, tear in my it eye. It was a different stuff last night, in a, in a great way. You know what I mean? So, well, I think we've seen some of that throughout the year, and I think it really is. Like I heard Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson, and a little bit Draymond, although he presents it differently, uh, kind of say like, "I didn't really see this coming." I don't yeah. think I heard Steph say that. And I, I think, in his mind, knowing he was still capable of this, knowing they could get this done if things broke, you know, well enough, and then having to listen to virtually everyone, not even re sort of just take the demise of their championship window for granted and then discuss things around it and criticize him and criticize the front office moves and and how could you believe that this is going to come together and all this stuff like i i think he sincerely feels he, he owes the world uh i a see i effing told you so you know what well i mean, I, mean like, I think what are they gonna say now i think was the defining line of the night 
That, yeah. that night when Draymond unleashed the Warriors Invitational line. That was unreal. <laughs> Love Draymond. Welcome back. Uh, and but and by the way, what are you going to say now about Steph or or this team? Like any asterisk you have was removed last night. I don't know why people had asterisks. Well, that's the thing. It's like but I don't know if you all. saw Skip Bayless's continuing troll today. No, but like I don't follow. Well, I'm off Twitter, but even that's still, great. I, I wish I could quit it. I should quit it. I, but anyway, I. It, it, the people who continue to do that, I I don't even know what to say because what I want to say is they expose themselves as total frauds. But the thing is, it's marketing at this point, right? Like well, you're just but, trying to position yes, yourself. It's the brand. Impossible it's the position. brand. It's yeah. the brand. And and like the because that's the thing. It was ridiculous yesterday. It was ridiculous a month ago to try to diminish the greatness of Steph Curry based on whatever the silly reasons you came up with, the Kevin Durant thing, which is actually, you know, viewed in its whole just an incredible testament to his unselfishness and desire to win. The fact that he didn't win the finals MVP in 2015, which, of course, is just a miscarriage of, you know, media voting. Like, I saw Sam Amick wrote a whole column defending those votes the other day, and I was just like, come on, bro. <laughs> It's the same as the boss. It, it's a, the exact same thing as the Boston's the more t- talented team narrative. Someone says it and it sounds good and it looks good at a glance and nobody bothers to investigate it. And I'm not saying everything, every narrative is like that, but way too many of them are. And the narrative was, well, you know, they never win this without the job Andre Iguodala did on LeBron James. But LeBron James averaged like a 30-point triple-double practically in that <laughs> yeah, series. Yeah, like LeBron James got a lot of votes for MVP in that series that they lost. Right. I believe he finished second in the Exactly. Voting. So the logic of that is absurd to suggest <laughs> that a guy who was nearly the MVP on the losing team, that the guy who defended him should win the award for defending him, it was really – because he hit one big shot, Iguodala. Yeah, and yeah. and Steph he was good on defense. I'm not, you know, he like, was great. I'm not trying to, but but like not <laughs> not deserved to win the MVP over Steph Curry. Great. Well, he was yeah. great, but it would be, it would have been like giving Dennis Rodman an an, an a, a, a Finals MVP. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Rodman was great. He he filled his role tremendously. But like, are you kidding me? <laughs> the yeah. whole thing was goofy. Like, so if you voted for LeBron, fair enough, but. If you voted for Andre Iguodala, you're you're just you are feeding a goofy narrative. So it's yeah. all this self fulfilling prophecy. But that's the point. The people who who diminish Steph in that way just either a get off on diminishing Steph for some weird reason, or b are committed to a viewpoint that has been you know proven invalid for years. So you know to say that if you continue to do it. You're exposing yourself as a fraud. Like, these people have already exposed themselves as frauds. We know they're frauds. It's just people like to watch frauds for some reason. And, and well, you that know, makes me sad more than anything. We're kind of coming into the uh, Steph Kobe uh, all-time just, sort of who's the better all-time debate, yeah. is. Co- I feel like, is coming. I, see, I'm, and so you're going to see people come out and nitpick Steph for that, too, because the Kobe stands are obviously <laughs> absolutely out there. So we'll see. Well, but, I mean, I just – I mean, where are you on that? Because for me, that that one's been over. I, I'm not a Kobe guy. I think Duncan's better than Kobe. Of course he is. Um, like, I don't yeah. even understand how that's a discussion. Kobe is 
and I said this on Twitter, and people got upset because they don't understand the meaning of the word. They get overrated. upset when you say bad things about Kobe. <laughs> I didn't even say a, but that's the thing. It's not a bad thing to say a guy is top fifteen or twenty, but not top ten. That's not a bad thing. That's not right. Mean. Top fifteen or twenty of all time. Of all, of all time. <laughs> I am like, a little higher than fifteen, to be honest, but uh, not in the top ten. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's he's within the top. 15 or 20 undeniably but I don't have him in the top 10 and again I say all this without actually doing the list I'm but I'm pretty confident about this because Kobe's weaknesses as a basketball player are largely ignored by his peers and fans yeah but he had a lot of them (laughs) including the fact that he stopped playing defense way before he stopped making all defensive teams (laughs) <laughs> yeah well and there were a lot there were, there were a lot of years where kobe was the lakers best player and they weren't good at all a Correct. lot which Many. is exactly the sort of thing out. yeah which is exactly the sort of thing that players today are getting killed for right you know or, or that people kill steph for for playing with Durant and laud kobe for chasing Shaq out of town right that's like anyway i don't we could go all day on this and we could go all day on the warriors we, we should do, stop, we but to talk about yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you allowing me to like do a twenty-five minute version of what I would have said on the radio today. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I felt like you needed it. I felt I, like you. I did need that, and it is. Uh, it is. It's absolutely the thing that's going to be on my mind for for quite some time. It was. It was a joyous NBA Finals. I'm it already like I'm fired up for the draft next week. Me <laughs> too. Me too. So the, the I think the league next year is going to be in great shape. You know, like this team brings everybody back, but there's so many teams in the West that are improving. I think some teams in the East are going to be better. Well, too. And look, man, if we just look at the landscape of, you know, the the potential of the off season, what type of stuff is going to happen? What type of player movement? Like, there are a lot of things that feel like they have to happen already, right? Like the DeAndre Ayton. Uh, situation, you know, what if anything happens with Westbrook and the Lakers? Like, there are a handful of situations we can readily identify as, like, something's going to happen here. And then... Harden could be a thing. Harden. There's so many things. And then Levine. And then they always surprise us with something. Utah's going to do something. Exactly. Exactly. So there's all these things that could happen, and then there's always going to be one that comes out of left field, too. It's going to be a blast of an offseason. Like, I, you know, people talked a lot about, you know, these teams wouldn't have beat past champions. And, and I think that's true, certainly. Um, neither team wouldn't of, have beat past teams, I could say that. No, neither of these teams is an all-time great team. But, like, not every championship is won by an all-time great team. Um and the Warriors are certainly in all Hello, Lakers. <laughs> exactly. And the Warriors are right now in an all-time great run. So that kind of counts as an all-time great team, um, even if this particular iteration would not beat all the other ones. The other ones are some of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah. And so, like, to me, that's a silly criticism. And beyond that being silly, even if it's true, the, the overall level of talent in the league, and talent on the horizon. I think it's better. Yeah, it's better than it's ever been. And I'm so excited to see it move around and, and, you know, how people try to attack next year, especially if the whole NBA is feeling like, you know what? There's some parity right now, and 
this championship race for next year is kind of wide open. Yeah. The league can afford expansion right now. You know it what I mean? It actually can. And, and yeah. I think we will see it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I agree. All right, Vegas let's talk and about- Seattle oh. would be the natural picks. for. New yeah, that's, that's where that will happen, I think. Um, let's talk some culture. Shall we? Shall we? Yep. Uh, where would you like to start today? I, I should say off the, uh, it's not off the top now cause we're 30 minutes in, but I, I forgot one of the homework assignments this week. So my bad y'all, if you watch God's favorite idiot, we will get to it next week. We definitely will. Cause I watched it and I'm excited to hear what Derek thinks, but, uh, you can consider that 30 minute of basketball conversation, the replacement for God's favorite idiot in this week's podcast. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Uh, where should we go next? Um, well, since we started with God's favorite idiot, AKA basketball, let's go, let's leave the challenge for the end. Um, and let's go to Irma Vep, which you, uh, were not excited about watching. Um, and I'm going to tell a story now it's story time now. Okay. Uh, let me have a sip of water. So my throat's not dry for my story. <laughs> I'll, I'll clear out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, last week on the podcast, Uh, Derek Madden said, I know it's really highly rated and it stars Alicia Vikander, who we like, but uh, this show just seems really pretentious to me um, and I don't super want to watch it. Not in those exact words, but more or less said that. that. I'd say that's that's a more than fair summary of my feelings. Okay. Um, So I logged into HBO Max a few nights ago and Irma Vep was the header. And there was a little play button, so I hit it, and Irma Vep started playing. Um, and it was incredibly confusing, uh, and seemed to be a bizarrely high concept. We've just been dropped into the middle of a television set. You don't really know what's going on. And I began to my think to myself, my God, <laughs> was Derek right? Uh, have I been bamboozled again? Um, and only upon finishing this very confusing episode of television did I realize that... Uh, you, I knew where this is going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it had started me on episode two, uh. stupidly. <laughs> so I did go back and watch episode one, and it made a lot more sense. Um, that said, I'm not sure it felt all that much less pretentious. I was going to say, it's not not pretentious. You know so, I mean? <laughs> look, I think you were right in terms of, like, this show is up its own butt a little bit. And it is. Um, and even watching the episode, you know, episode one, while everything began to make a lot more sense, it still doesn't – It's it's – Still, I would say not easy to answer the question, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Well, and I just. So. But it is enjoyable, right? I mean, like there there are some things. It's not an unenjoyable experience. I didn't mind watching the show. I I don't know where I'm at and whether or not I'm going to finish it, but I'm at least leaving open that possibility. So while it, it can be pretentious at times, it's not meritless for sure. No. Uh, And it's not like. It's not necessarily haughty or, like, obnoxious pretentious. It's just up its own butt a little bit. Yeah. It's it's sort of weirdly structured in the way they flip back and forth between the kind of, the, you know, the, the series that 
the series, quote unquote, that they're filming, and the and the actual like the fictional series in the show does yeah. in fact look pretentious and awful. I don't know why yes. anyone would want to be in this show, but um, the thing for me ultimately, and and one of the reasons why I'm just, just kind of eh on this show is, I just feel like this is such well trotted ground, you know, just the. People, you know, Hollywood people are difficult and needy and 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 quirky, and but also not so bad if you really get to know them. <laughs> yeah, like I just and the real people too. Yeah, but here's the thing that I think drives that home for me is at least through two episodes, this show seems to be trying to do every version of that well-trotted ground at once instead of like doing something original with it or picking a lane does that make sense Yeah, like hot lesbians is like the most original part of this you know what i mean like, yeah which is not that original you know no right. so um i just yeah uh it's it's fine I, I do feel like uh, uh, Alicia Vikander could be doing something better with her time than this, personally. Yeah, I tend to uh, agree. So, but you know, uh, like I said, but I it's make, interesting. I make it it's yeah. it's more interesting than than you know being in the next Marvel thing or whatever. Yeah, I uh, I, I happened to see uh, uh, Slater Kitty last weekend. Uh, oh, fun! Which was fantastic. They're they're still killing it live. Nice. Um, but to go from that to seeing Carrie Brownstein in this kind of like Hollywood agent role <laughs> was, was a very interesting juxtaposition because uh, that is two very different sides of her personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yep. you know, she's up there singing about, you know, it, uh, you want me to entertain you, rip me open and pour me out and do it for free. And then I'm <laughs> watching her do that. Um, so... So that was cool, um, but yeah, Aaron Mavap, I, I I don't know. It's I, I would it's say fine. I'm not. You're not getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down from me on this one. You're well, and and I it's like you're you're not going to get out of it anything other than probably what you expect to get out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like if this sounds, on. if that sort of thing sounds great to you, like it's pretty engaging, and and you know, Alicia Vikander really is great in everything she does. Yeah. Uh, but. I, it's not particularly original or I think compelling. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about metal Lords because I'm a little curious about what you thought uh, about uh, metal. Lords. I loved it. Um, this isn't really a movie about heavy metal, although obviously heavy metal features very uh, specifically uh, and is played throughout it. Um, and it has an incredible mild spoiler alert, an incredible, uh, set of cameos um yeah i didn't realize until the end credits honestly that, that it was benny off and weiss yeah it's the game of Thrones guys yeah so I'm guessing and rolodex helped there a little bit totally <laughs> and even the music was by ramin jawadi is it who does the game of thrones music and is doing oh. the music for house of dragons yeah and then tom morello doing the music supervision i think on the yeah. on the bands that the guys listen to and stuff exactly so I thought both of the uh, all three of the main kids were wonderful. The story was perfect, and the only thing I didn't totally enjoy was I thought they overdid the voiceover for the first half of the movie for some reason. Um, mm. But 
just in general, a, you know, solid like three and a half out of four star, highly enjoyable time, wonderful heart, shed a tear here and there, laughed a lot. Great time. Great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's not – look, this is not winning an Oscar. It's no. Not, uh, it's not aiming for much. It's high you know, school it, – it's a high school <laughs> dramedy, which is one of my favorite genres. <laughs> yeah. but And as those go, great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's 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 a really fun time. Uh, there's lots of cool cameos in it. I, I thought um, – I, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you knew exactly what I was talking about. I he thought was he was great. great. It as, took as, me a while to be like, oh, yeah, that's who that is. I mean, I immediately – Because without the hair, man, you know? Yes, exactly. I immediately recognized him, but he's bald, and I was like, that's the guy from – what is it? Ah, I can't – and then I was like, oh, of course, it's Joe Manganiello. Yeah. That scene uh, in the hot tub, too, with uh, with all the metal guys. Oh, I thought my was God. Really excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And they all they all they all kind of made points in line with what you might suggest the band philosophy would have decided in that situation, right? Yep. Like it was just the who said what in terms of the famous people was characterized really well. I just I ah oh man. I thought the whole thing was really good. And I'm not yep. a huge metal guy, but like this is pretty mainstream metal that they're into. They're they're teenagers in in the 20s it kind of ran the gamut they like they liked some weird stuff clearly you know yeah. what yeah I mean? like yes talk and stuff like that you oh, know what i mean yeah totally but, no 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 i'm not i'm not diminishing the characters but i'm saying in terms of what the movie is asking you to recognize right correct. it's like if you know who black sabbath and judas priest and rage against the machine are you're in pretty good shape yeah yeah i, I think that's that, that's more than fair i also sort of like that like the, the the bad guy pop band, you know what I mean? That they went against, the, like that the they were all super nice guys. Yes, <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah, that was that was a hilarious twist. And <laughs> by the way, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen these kids before, and they looked like they were all playing quite well. Particularly the drummer. If he's not a legitimately very good drummer, uh, he is a hell of an actor, um, physically speaking, because he certainly looked like he was playing and playing extremely well yeah you got the sense that playing was part of the audition i you know that's I mean? what i'm saying and i think they played the hell out of it man and i'm sure you watched the closing credit uh war pigs yeah it jammed and i'm pretty sure those kids were playing like they made a point of giving you shots where it looked pretty clear that they were playing yeah yeah it was fun it was, it was, it was, it was just a, a good time good you know I have a lot of problem with Netflix content, but it's good that they spit out. You know, they they've got the team uh, movie thing down pretty good. I they feel do, like. and and I I also just want I think like I don't know if this is a shared experience, but for me, just like watching people, I think watching people discover and engage with anything they're super passionate about in a film is something that's pretty moving to me, but especially when it comes to music, because I am very engaged with and moved by music. Um, and watching that experience take place really hits me in the heart, man. I, that that's, yeah. that's content for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I thought you might like it. So I'm glad to, to hear that you did. Um, let's, uh, let's get into Two everything everywhere all at once. And, uh, if I may story time, 
for uh, a little bit. When when you presented this as as an option to me last week, I had not heard of it. Like still boggles nothing. my mind. Knew nothing. Um I have a feeling that maybe that's a San Francisco thing. I don't I I, I don't know. Um but like oh, you know, over the course of the week I happened to be listening to a podcast that was about like it's you know it was like a Hollywood business kind of podcast. You know what I mean? And they talked about this movie for a while. Um, it didn't spoil it because it's you know one of the things they said basically is that it's it's almost an impossible movie to spoil. Very difficult um, to spoil. <laughs> like you can't even really explain it. So, uh, but they talked about a twenty four and how this is going to be the biggest movie in the history of a twenty four and what kind of audiences are going to see it and the budget and all of that. And it gave me uh, a, a, a bit of a, an appreciation for it. You know, there are some things here uh, that I think are really appealing to me. Uh, Michelle, is it Yo is the pr- pr- correct way to so. pronounce her last name? Uh, right. She's great. You know, the story that's centered on, um, uh, you know, an immigrant family in California. Uh, Stephanie Sue, who is uh, uh, in uh, this season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is really good. Um, so, like, there's... There's all these things that I uh, like, and I like sort of the underdogness of this whole thing—a twenty-five million dollar movie that looks like a, it's a lot more expensive than that. It is. This movie is extremely not my shit, and uh, it's mostly playing in theaters. And had I saw it in a theater, I would have left the theater before it concluded. Um. And I don't know that that would translate to you. I think the movie is doing very well. I think a lot of people like it. I suspect that you really liked it. Uh, but for me, I'm just the whole multiverse thing where you have these long scenes of ridiculous exposition that go on for 10 minutes and one fight played into the one universe into the next universe and nothing means anything. It, it, that stuff just drives me up the wall. I'm, I'm so not here for it. And I, uh, like there's a, there's a moment in the movie. There's a, like a false end. Like, you know, songs sometimes have like a fake end. There's a, there's a fake end in this movie. And I knew it was fake. I knew like, even when it was happening, I knew it was fake. But I was hoping against hope that really was the end of the movie. And there was another hour and 10 minutes after that. Like, it is an interminable two hours and 20 minutes. And I just, like, it's so up its own ass with the the science fiction and philosophy. And just, I'm just a hard pass on all of this. And it bums me out um, that I do think most people who see this movie will love it. Uh, because I think that most people, this is what they want. They want this movie is like a twelve-year-old's Ritalin fever dream. Like it is just <laughs> all over the fucking place, and there's so many juvenile jokes with dildos and hot dog fingers. <laughs> hot dog fingers. Fuck this shit. It is garbage. Oh, <sighs> right, uh, we are. Uh, I I more or less expected this. Um, I, th- I I thought your I thought I thought you would have an appreciation for certain things about it, and I thought that would minimize your negative reaction somewhat. Um, it is it was an excruciating experience for me. <laughs> so here's the thing: like I knew, 
here's how I view the stuff that you just described. That again, when I watched this, I that this is how I imagined you'd be responding. Um, I view that as, and I think what if I had to say what you miss, um, because you are distracted and maybe more to the point infuriated by all of the goofy bells and whistles and dildos <laughs> and hot dog fingers. So much, so is, many bells <clears throat> This movie deliberately creates a shitstorm, <laughs> a shitstorm of of absurdity. I mean, that's not an accident. It's very deliberate, and it's oh yeah, yeah, sure. And it's, I get that. It's fully well executed. It's just that pisses you off so much what what i think they're trying to do is to is to make a point about within the 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 maelstrom of absurdity that is the modern world what do we do what is important what are the things that are the things and i think as far as like the question is are you a willing, but maybe, you know, since this is theoretically entertainment interested in swimming through the absurdity to see the beauty of what they're saying. And I, of course am, if that's why I love to do that. I love swimming in the absurdity to see the, the heart of the matter. That's, that's my shit. That's extremely my shit. And Except I, would... I don't think, like, I mean, what were they saying in the end? It's, it's, it, uh, well, it's family that matters. Well, How fucking trite is that? It's, it's reasonably trite, but I think it's more complicated than that. I mean, I think that's the most reductive view of it. I think this speaks to, like, a sort of existentialist philosophy. And... I learned that watching goddamn Urkel. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. There's no revolutionary message. There is a, I think, well-executed and reasonably subtle, but well, well-practiced, you know, philosophical core to this movie that I enjoyed. And again, for me, swimming through the absurdity towards the the emotional center is is fun. Um, for you, it is clearly not. But but I will say, like, torturous. This was this movie was torturous for me. But but I do think it's important that. The hot dog fingers and dildo jokes are not – they are juvenile, but they are delivered and deli- – they're deliberately juvenile and delivered as such and part of the point. You don't want to watch it, which is certainly your right, but it's not like they screwed this up and they were trying to have a sophisticated point made by hot dog fingers. Hot dog fingers was pure absurdity, <laughs> but that was kind of the point. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't. And I, and I support your right to me. hate this movie. I, you know, you know, and look, I get, you know, in the same way that John Wick movies can kind of get to me because it's just an endless cycle of punches. You right. know what I mean? Yep. I need, I need, like, I don't, like, I love Crouching Tiger. You know what I mean? Like, I took five years of kickboxing. I'm down to watch some karate fights, but like, something has to underpin it, and there just wasn't enough there for me. And I just clearly wasn't into the philosophy of the story. At all. I, I just, you know, I'm just not, I'm not a multiverse dude, clearly. Yeah. Well, I and again, 
Like, I expected you to have this negative reaction in part because it's not, this is not just a multiverse story. It is a deliberately over-the-top... Like, you say the thing semi-frequently on this show about, like, you're willing to take one sort of leap. absurd yep. leap, right? <laughs> and this movie immediately takes all the leaps at once. Yep. <laughs> it is... It is. It is all the leaps all at once. They're like, forget how many leaps. They're all happening. Now what? And you're like, hold on. I, I don't even want to see any of these leaps. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. I think my leap was J.B. Lee Curtis as an old uh, uh, IRS agent. That oh, my, my God. Leap. But the hot dog fingers, the love affair was – come on. <laughs> you can't tell me you didn't laugh at that. No. sure didn't. I oh, sure didn't. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, the wife and I laughed, cried, and really enjoyed this film. I might have cursed you out once or twice. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? Maybe maybe it was the multiverse working in your favor, knowing what's in your heart, that kept you from hearing about one of the most well-discussed films of the year. Uh, and I do apologize yeah. for dragging you into a uh, particular universe that you ought not have been in. I think this movie is going to be beloved. I think there's a chance it could win some awards. Yeah, and it's, it's going to win awards. The whole way. And I'm, I'm sure, sure part of... Yeah, and I'm sure part of what gave you the appreciation is the the... What this movie does, I think, both within the story and just by virtue of its creation and existence uh, for, you know, the Asian people in cinema. Um which, you know, has been an underrepresented thing. Yeah. And, and uh, this is definitely good for that. Like I said, I came in, like, not knowing the plot. I came in wanting to like it. I right. knew it was going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew the multiverse was involved. So that was a little bit scary. But I, you know, that was that was about all I knew. So And, and here's the um, thing. Like, th again, this is not a movie that, like, even lets you get two minutes into it without exploding into absurdity. So, like... You didn't even have time to get your toes wet in the multiverse before all it was asking you to just come with them on a journey with no rules. Yeah. 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 Not my shit. <laughs> Extremely not your shit. Extremely not my shit. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's uh that's culture for the week. You want to talk some challenge? Yes. Um I I am a man who enjoys a trivia challenge. This one was not particularly my favorite. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I felt like TJ was not prepared for this trivia challenge. This was Ooh. the worst TJ performance in a trivia challenge that I can remember. And what's unfortunate about that is it was one of the best trivia challenge like deployments, I thought. I think that the challenge setup team did great. But I don't know if the questions just weren't quite to his liking, but like his reactions were not as on point as they usually are. He definitely practices his uh, feints on whether you got the question wrong or right. He he had ready to go. Yeah, they went. Um, they didn't, but they <laughs> they were not well enough executed. No, no. Some of those questions were hard. Like I, I'm willing to bet that neither one of us could spell out the etymologist. No, in fact, I turned to my wife, but and it's hard. She, it's hard she absolutely spell, right? had it. Um, but 
But yeah, I did not. I would not have gotten the first stage. Um, what did you make of Wes throwing a question? I thought it was insane, but it kind of worked, didn't it? <laughs> Almost. I mean, at least like for a, I, the the point was well, he like. Didn't win. <laughs> well, no, but he. No one really targeted him. No, no one really targeted him. Like he got down to a point where, like you know, depending on the order of questions and whether or not someone gets them right, you're just kind of screwed. But, um, but he also got to a place where you know, Mark could got you got the opportunity to take him out of the game, right? You know what I mean? Where yes, he would don't have you think had he had one less strike? Maybe, but he but Mark would have picked him anyway, and then. Right. But he still would have been in the game to take out Mark and or Derek. You know what I mean? Well, I, don't Der- I don't even think Derek had a strike at that point, but or maybe he had one. Anyway, the the point is like often in these types of challenges, Wes is immediately targeted because he's not totally like a hundred percent aligned with most of the house. Like, he's friends with Nehemiah and Brad outside the house, but even both of them are kind of like, eh, sometimes he gets a little crazy with the gameplay. Like, he's kind of this insane strategic lone wolf, and I kind of think somehow I, – I when he did it, I was like, that's an insane thing to do. But then no one targeted him. So I was like, maybe he's onto something. Like, he, he understands also, these people better than I do. He also threw it in a way that I'm a little surprised that people didn't realize – I mean, Mark went, well, that's an easy one, Wes. You know what I mean? But, yeah. like, yeah, uh, nobody but really realized that he missed the purpose. I don't know that <laughs> – I don't want I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but I don't know how – I don't know that these people are savvy enough to pick up whether Wes is deliberately throwing a question or not. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's fair. That's fair. Like uh, – for people, I, I, for a group of people, none of whom can answer the easy questions, someone getting an easy question wrong doesn't probably seem that weird. Yeah. I also, uh, I did, I did have a question about whether Biggie Smalls should count as an answer for a notorious B.I.G. Now, I realize that they're the same people, obviously, but I feel like that's not, I feel like that's not enough of an answer. Like, okay, I feel like you got to say notorious B.I.G. Really? Not even yeah. if you said Biggie, that wouldn't count? Me, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess just Biggie would have counted. So if you got so Biggie, that's then weird. you have to count Biggie Smalls, yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. I was uh, fine with that. Although, that doesn't change the fact that she clearly did not immediately know yeah. <laughs> the answer we're, to the question. person of our age, because I think we're all about the same age. Yes. Um, She's I love that her girlfriend grew up watching her on the challenge. We looked it uh, up. Oh, I thought that was an incredible – she she really just dropped that in as if we wouldn't notice. Like, well, she grew up watching me on the challenge. So, And I'm like, that's the woman you're dating. You can't just slip that in. Good on Veronica, man. Hey, shout out, man. If you, if, I've like, with Veronica once or twice. If you make it happen with a groupie and that's what you like, good for you. Um, good for you for having groupies as a – challenge veteran um that's what all stars should be about man uh but for someone who gets most of the stuff right like veronica's legitimately good at this for a very obvious biggie question to trip her up is inexcusable like for the and, and she is not someone with one of these like complicated histories with race on the show but 
my mind immediately went to how white did you grow up that you like did you not listen to hip hop music in the nineties? What happened to you? <laughs> what what happened? Well, it was in her brain. Uh, I she's guess. Cuban, by the way. Did she grow like grew up in Cuba? Oh, no, you no, mean no, she's not so. white. That's, yeah, yeah, just that's yeah. That's I'm just, I just, uh, even more so then. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I may you. The thing is, you didn't even have to be around black people to listen to fucking Biggie in the '90s. What like? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I don't. I like there. I yeah. there's no. And she was like part of culture. She was like in the culture. How how did you miss that part of culture? It doesn't make any sense put, to me. I'm putting it on the platform. You know what I mean? I'm I guess, it on but the, she I'm, gets she got so many other things right. She and she did say something during the thing, just generally about how how it, it's so much harder than it looks. Um, which I, I sort think of that remember. was as an excuse for missing of. <laughs> well, she she did end up getting it right. It just it seemed like she, she was win. guessing. Yeah, and she didn't get it. She just sort of like yeah, it was. She had a hard time calling it up. I uh, I I really feel like John A maybe made a strategic error. Really. Uh, yeah, it ultimately didn't hurt her, but don't you call out Kayla? Who cares? Why is Kayla getting a free ass? She clearly seems like the leader of the treehouse. You're obviously calling someone out in the treehouse. And I don't I think Ronnie is a better athlete than Kayla. Why is nobody what no one wants to try Kayla? It's it's weird to me. Um I I think Ronnie was a better athlete than Kayla. Yeah, well, was if you're yeah, obviously she's not still in the game, right? No, I mean, but that's what I mean. No, Ronnie was a better athlete than Kayla. I, so, like, why? No, no, no. He... I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Oh, you're saying that Ronnie's no longer a better athlete than Kayla? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I'm saying that would be my guess, uh, given that she is 43 years old. Um, and I would say that is also Jeanne's guess based on watching them up close for however long they've been there right or or else why would uh, or else you're absolutely right john a knows the treehouse is against her she knows she has to pick one of them um veronica, veronica. is not a choice so so cut out the head cut out the head uh, no. but that doesn't matter it's not like if you take out kayla veronica and ronnie are not still going to be against you 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 pick sure. But in that situation, when your feet are in the dirt, you pick whoever you think you can beat. Here's the other thing. In Unless terms you're of crazy. Beat. If you're Jordan, then you pick the guy that it's least <laughs> likely you could beat. God, God bless Jordan. Fucking champ. Oh, God uh, bless him, man. He really um, he's, he's great TV, and I was so glad that at the end of his interview, he said, you will see me again. Yeah. I, you know what? I think I, I like him as a person more. Um, I think this was a good season for him as a person, but he's still a dick. I mean, he knows yeah, he's, he's a dick. He embraces I it. I said more. Yeah. <laughs> he used to just be a total, like, just a terror. Um, but I think the thing the thing that you're leaving out in terms of her ability to win was it's a puzzle game. Like, don't you favor yourself over Kayla in a puzzle game? Well, I mean, again... I, it, it's it's a strength and a puzzle game, right? Yeah, but it's the puzzle's half. Well, my again, my guess is, based on watching them compete for the first half of the season, 
no, she favors her. Well, she probably, hopefully, she favors herself over both of them. But I think she favors herself exactly. more over Ronnie. And mm, I don't I- think, in terms of what you're saying about cut off the head, like at this point in the game, it's not like that's going to change the alliance layout. You know what I mean? So I don't know that that matters. I'd much rather go into a final against Veronica and Ronnie than uh, Kayla. Right, but I do not think that's how she made the decision. I think she made it nope. based on who can I beat tonight. Yep, but I think she could have beat them both tonight, and I think she should have been confident to beat both tonight in a puzzle game. That's Maybe, but again, I think that's a tough thing to to ask when you're in when you're in the elimination chamber and there's like a heavy rope to pull. Like, I think you just go for the person you think you can pull the rope faster than, you know? <laughs> maybe. And know. maybe you're right that there's a uh, slight working. strategic mistake in there, but fundamentally, she's back in the game. She won another elimination. Um, she has really fully legitimized herself as an all-star. I like her chances to win this thing. She's absolutely, I would say her and Kayla are the two favorites right now, but do not sleep on Kellyanne. Yeah, I will no, say and that's this. the thing. If I'm if I'm, if I'm John A, uh, that's the other thing. Now that the numbers in the treehouse have declined some, I'm looking around at Kellyanne, saying, "You, me, and Naya." That's it. Like that's a that's a pretty strong group. We can take these two girls out. Yeah, we have numbers now. They they, they have fli- they have successfully flipped the numbers, and Kayla is really in uh, under pressure to win this next challenge. Um, yeah. That said, as far as Kellyanne goes. She has undeniably now established herself as the queen of completely pointless game conversations where she both offers nothing to someone and gets nothing in return. (laughs) Yeah. She just, like, sits down and is like, let's talk game. And people are like, all right. And she's like, yeah, so I guess we're kind of on different sides. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, yeah. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, what are you like, doing? Yeah, we'll figure something out later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll we'll try again another time. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't hate you, but we're really just kind of in different uh, camps on this thing, huh? Yeah, Kellyanne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want to? You want to talk about something? Nah, not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? What are you doing, lady? She is such a she is such a bizarre person. Um but she's pretty good at this. Other than puzzles, she's pretty good at this. Yeah, she's quite an athlete. She's quite an athlete. Um at the end of the day. That, that carries a lot of weight. Yep. Uh there was a, a, a moment uh at the end of this with Naya crying uh when Jordan left that I really I no, obviously I'm not saying I enjoyed Naya crying, but it, it is a reminder, kind of in a top chefy way, of like the real emotions in this game and like the real bonds that are there. And it's part of what makes the challenge a challenge. And it's yes. One of the reasons why I I'm nervous about this, uh, uh, non challengey challenge that's coming up on CBS. Cause I, I, I don't know if it's going to have those same kind of bonds. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I imagine alliances will develop and within those, some bonds will develop, but it'll be different sort of watching that p- process from the beginning. Um, a few other things, I wrote down uh, Brad giving himself the sabotage. I thought was a brilliant move. Yeah. Well, and especially on the scale of Brad moves. <laughs> yes. Well, but that's the thing. 
Like, the important thing for a guy like Brad is understanding this is not a strength and making an enemy for something I'm not going to win anyway is not smart. I would have given it to a girl. That's what I would have done. Yeah, but... But giving it to himself was fine. Yeah, like, it didn't really matter. Like, he was not getting through that. He's not a trivia guy. Uh, Also, Wes had a tremendous line. Uh, If we were doing Burn of the Week, it would be, just because they're all-stars doesn't mean they're bright stars. (laughs) He was saving that one. (laughs) Yeah, he probably wrote that before the season started, but still, that's that's a good line. Um, And I thought the second best line of the show was in the deliberation when uh, Veronica and Derek are talking. And where are you going? He's like, you know, I think we're getting to the time where it's it's probably time to take a big swing. And then there's you could tell they sort of cut the conversation and Veronica was like, Are you comfortable with that? And he goes, No, I feel completely uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but then they actually pull off the big swing. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Because that to me that's sort of the essence, A, of the challenge, and B, of that's what makes this show the legitimate, like, sport to me that I think I really believe it is. It's like you're, all, you're playing the game 24-7 in this house, and nobody is ever comfortable, and that's the whole yeah. deal. You yeah. know, that— And it's especially true the deeper we get. Yes, that's the playing field. The playing field is— the intensity of being there. And I thought that was just a beautiful representation of it. Derek, Derek Kaczynski is in many ways, the essence of the challenge. And I think that's why I appreciate him so much. That reminded me of Veronica's excuse, which was that you're in this house 24 hours a day, cut off from the outside world and stuff starts to fade away after a while. And that actually makes sense to me. Sure. But I think she said that as an excuse for not knowing really who the (laughs) notorious Uh B.I.G. is. (laughs) Also true. Also true. But it's a, it was a good excuse. Good, good creative work. Um, yeah. I think Nehemiah's in trouble. I would be worried if I was Nehemiah. He certainly does seem to be the guy left who any remaining competitor would want to call down from a physical perspective. I mean, I don't know. I think he and Wes are pretty close. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He may be close with Brad. So I, they may not call him down for because they like him but it just it, on a pure physical standpoint he seems to be the obvious choice um yeah. which is is interesting now if they if throw mark, him you in be excited he's so much bigger than everyone else left you know what i mean mark mark yeah 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 but as he said well look getting jordan out and i think it became clear the reason they wanted to get jordan out is just from an endurance perspective none of them can hang with him yep um but I think everyone left can kind of hang with each other from an endurance perspective. So I think you're right. Like strength becomes probably the most important factor distinguishing. And, you know, he may be the oldest, but uh, it's going to be tough to convince me. Mark's not the strongest guy. Yeah. The only guy who I think could even have an argument would be Brad. So we'll see if Mark turns on Brad. Yeah. Brad is pretty small though. I think Wes is probably actually bigger than Brad. Yeah. Brad's not huge. Brad. Well, Brad is muscularly huge. He's not tall. Yeah, but Wes, 
man. Wes is like Wes has swimmer's body more. You know what I mean? Like I don't know when he throws on a tank top now. He is a swimmer, and he always had swimmer's body. But his upper body has he has built that to a pretty remarkable size, and he is yep. significantly taller than Brad. I think. Anyway, Mark's much bigger than both of them, so uh, we'll see how it goes. I, for me, it's hard not to favor Wes heading down the home stretch. And to be clear, your your final five, right? We've got Derek, Mark, Wes. Nehemiah, who did I leave Brad. out? Brad. Brad. Um, I think Wes would be my favorite because he seems to me to be – he is the the guy left who's the most uh, – I don't know how to put this – well, versatile, yes, but but I was gonna say he ranks number one for me in the category of like you're good at weird challenge shit, you know, because that's a hard thing to quantify. Um, but like Johnny Bananas to me is number one all time, as great as CT is in terms of like you're good at the weird shit. Yeah, that's the Johnny Bananas, the true crown of Johnny Bananas is like somehow when you're supposed to rub honey on somebody and then scrape it into a barrel, he's just like good at that shit. Um, and, and he, it, no matter what weird thing they throw, he seems to have a knack for it. You're not worried about any of them in an eating, you're not worried about him in an eating challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Wes is kind of well, like that. certainly going to happen. At yes. Some point. Wes is kind of like that where you just, he's got a knack for this stuff that is sort of unquantifiable. I'd probably have Derek number two in that category, but I feel like Wes is also top two or three in everything, you know, whether it's strength or certainly is the best swimmer there, uh, endurance, puzzles he's probably the best guy there like he just ranks he probably has the highest average rank in like all the categories of challenge aptitude that matter in a final that's fair i'm gonna stay with mark because uh, because not just because he's the strongest although that matters or because he's the most experienced because i don't know there's a lot of experience like he's got the most but there's a lot everywhere right and it's not like his experience is going to give him an edge in puzzles over these guys you know i also but i do think he has the most friends in the game and I think that's going to matter a lot. Um, well, and you know what else? Like, however many eliminations are remaining, and it might only be one or two. Um, it's got to only be one or two, you'd think, uh, in terms of both set, uh, you know. Yeah, anyway. Um, I I don't think anyone's going to want to calm down there again, right? Nope. <laughs> nope so that at least is a – I mean, it – <laughs> it's almost impossible to see him not making the final at this yeah. point. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh will be interesting to see. Uh we're we are we definitely feels like we're really getting to the home stretch here. So um I there can't be more than two or three more episodes, I would think. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh should we do homework? Yeah, we better. We're uh we're running pretty far over time, friend. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of basketball. Yeah. And and I I have no regrets. Are you saying you're grateful that I didn't watch God's favorite idiot? Very few regrets. (laughs) I mean, it's probably good that you that we're pushing God's favorite idiot, but I I am I am very interested to hear your response. All right, Uh, we've got two uh, FX shows for you in addition to God's favorite idiot, Mm -hmm. Uh, The Old Man, which dropped uh, I believe last night, Wednesday night on uh, on FX. Uh, You can also get it on Hulu. and uh, the, that's Jeff Bridges. It's a spy show. John Lithgow's in it as well. 
and then um, the bear, which is Jeremy Allen White from Shameless. He was Lip on Shameless. Um, also, that sounds that like drops- it could be one show, The Old Man and the Bear. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but it's not. It's two different shows. They're very different shows. Very yeah. different shows, as, as I understand it. The Bear, I believe, is dropping all at once, and it's 30-minute episodes, and there's only eight. So Sweet. Uh, you might get through a lot of it, uh, although it doesn't come out till the night before we pod. So be ready for that. Okay. And then um, uh, Slow Horses, which is another spy show um, with uh, Gary Oldman. There we on go. On the Apple TV Plus. That'll be on Apple TV Plus. I've heard, I've heard a lot of good things about that, so. Um, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. should be a good slate. That's it, and of course, more of the challenge. And uh, I don't know, maybe something will happen in baseball because otherwise, we got no sports for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's transfer season. I've been I've been checking. I've been refreshing, uh, looking for uh, soccer transfer news. All right. Uh, well, I'm gonna let you get back to that. I'm- <laughs> Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.